your samples tomorrow. Kirk Cousins had a good year. Quavo gets cooking. First and foremost, Brendan Beachler, congratulations on being the number one team in the country here on December the 5th, 2023. Congratulations. You know, I appreciate it. What are we doing over there? Nothing. Nothing. Go Blue. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, number one in the country, beat Ohio three straight years, three straight Big Ten champions. You know, I mean, we're the North. Uh, it's, you know, we can bring in these Pac-12 teams. It's not going to matter. It's it's Michigan's conference. We're here to stay. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is relaxed as ever. I don't think he, you know, every year we talk about, is he going to take an NFL job? It, the media creates all this hysteria about him when he is content as all can be. He's been working towards a goal since he got hired, and that's to win a national championship. We achieved his first goal in beating Ohio State in 2021 and achieved the making the playoff, winning Big Ten. Now it's national championship time. This is the year to do it. We're number one. Bama's hot, but so are we. And if you you know if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. And who's been the gold standard of college football since in our entire lives? That is Alabama. So fuck the tide, go blue. Uh, we'll see you New Year's Day. Yeah, I mean, everybody on this podcast wants to win a national championship, and there's no easy path. So eventually, you got to play them. You know. Like, yeah, you can hope for Florida State all you want, just an easy path to the natty, but beat who you beat, dude. Be the best team. So I'm in the camp where I did not actually want Florida State because I think Michigan kind of fell into that trap last year where, oh, we don't respect – like, we're a better football team than TCU. Like, we lost to Georgia last year. Like, Georgia's on the other side. They're going to beat Ohio State. Like, w- w- let's start focusing on Georgia. Yeah. Interesting. So I'm – I think it's like this. You're going to play, in in my opinion, Alabama is is probably with Michigan as like the best teams right now. And Georgia, honestly. I think they're the top three teams. <clears throat> I think that you're going to have a dogfight in the playoff semifinal. If you win that, do you know how sky high your confidence is going into the natty to play either Washington or Texas? I mean, the Big Ten talks about wanting to compete on that level with the SEC. So, like, you automatically just, you know, again, assuming you're better than, you know, the Big 12 and the Pac-12. But I think Bama's going to be a real test. Um, You know, I know I'm coming off very confident, and I am confident we can get the W, but it's going to be a very, very close game. I think it's going to be fought in the trenches. Uh, You know, Alabama's a pretty run. They can run the ball very well, especially with Milrow on those QB powers. Um you know, Michigan hasn't really had to play a team that I can really remember at, at that capacity that can run the ball at the quarterback position that well. So it's going to be interesting how it goes, but I'm just excited. Um, this is probably the most excited I've been for, you know, a playoff. Um, granted, I feel like we have the best chance this year, but we're probably playing the – I mean, Georgia was a tough matchup two years ago, but this is probably the toughest matchup, I think. Yeah, so I did want to just jump right into – uh, the selection and the, you know, I, this is a tough spot for college football in the country because obviously everyone has their allegiances. You have your team, you root for your team, your guys, but you also, you know, 
for us, it's a little different, but you have your conference and you have pride in your conference, your coaches, rivalries, right? There's all these things that go into it, but there is a contingent upon college football watchers, college football fans. And it is, it is a nation. That's why we call it best in the nation, best player in the nation, best team in the nation. It's college football nation. And it is not in a good place right now. I think um, in terms of the fan collective, there is a massive divide and almost what seems to be somewhat of an uprising. And I think that uprising is with big media. And it is funny how this kind of shadows um, the political and and mass media and kind of the things that have been going on. But with ESPN being the main um, the main party that is being uh, thrown around in much of this uprising and TV rights, ESPN's place in the selection and what teams get chances and how much they actually are involved in the college football landscape. Obviously, they're supposed to be an entity that brings us the games we watch on their sites, on their channels. But a lot of people are under the impression that deals and TV deals, things like that are getting in the way of maybe more organic things happening on the college football field. Obviously, what I'm getting at is Florida State. And what comes of Florida State is not just the Florida State team, but the ACC, how ESPN was involved in the selection show. And my big thing, and I wanted to jump into this first, and I talked to Marty uh, about this earlier on Twitter, the flip-flopping of sentiment behind these ESPN personalities who are the driving, the guys that drive the narratives, the biggest voices in college football and how they flip-flopped so fast on Florida state and how that, how they felt about how this playoff was going to shake out. Obviously beach is a Michigan guy. Nothing changed, right? You yeah. knew, you knew that certain thing, if you did certain things, it was going to shake out exactly how it did. And it did. Right. But the shills at ESPN, and you can call them nothing less, that were saying less than two weeks ago that it would be a travesty if Florida State was left out of this playoff if they battled the adversity of losing their starting quarterback and still running the table, right? Are, are saying live five minutes after the picks come through that they are tipping their cap to the selection committee, not just all right, I could see it, but that tip your cap. They did a great job. And I can, you know, my big thing is if this happened to your team, like I would go scorched earth. I would be protesting. I would be in the streets. If Notre Dame got left out undefeated, you know, whatever it is. And so I get it for Florida state. And I, there's just, there's a part of me that wants because I think college football is so pure. There's a part of me that wants to believe that there is this purity and this just grace to college football. And I think there is, but I think that's the problem is people think that now there are people in the way. So first of all, I want to throw it and see where you guys stand on the Florida state being left out and then possibly what that coverage was like to you on Sunday. 
You know, honestly, like the the number one thing that jumps off to me is the discussion I feel we have every year. If you listen to this podcast, you know we are no fans of how the committee ranks people. Two episodes ago, we were like, "What? What even adds up here? Like, how does this make any sense?" That is again the case here. I have no problem with leaving Florida State out because he Jordan Travis is you know a Heisman contender. He, he was you know up to that point. I do think that changes the team landscape and how Florida State can play football, play top talent. Here's where it's not consistent, though. You're going to sit down and you're going to tell me that the Georgia Bulldogs are the sixth best team in the nation. You're high. You are so high. That is ridiculous. So you can't have it both ways, in my opinion. If you're going to put Bama in, fine, four best. In my opinion, if you're going to do that, bye-bye Washington. I'm sorry because – Bama beat Georgia and Texas beat Bama and Michigan's undefeated big 10 champion, you know, two top 10 wins. They weren't going anywhere. That's how I think it should be. You can't have it both ways. And that's what the committee's doing. Charlie, I would also like to address your first point where you brought up about ESPN and the media. Now, again, in a day and age of, you know, AI and Photoshop, I don't know what's what anymore, but I saw a picture where Kirk Herbstreet, has the playoff bracket of the week of going into conference championship week. So with Florida state at the four in the exact fashion that you would see it on TV in the bracket with helmets, the exact fashion, everyone is in their one, two, three, and four spots accordingly. All of a sudden, when you pan over to him to get his opinion, tipping the cap, as you said, who, who was in there now? Oh, Florida State's now down to the first out spot and the Bama helmet's in. Interesting. And keep in mind, I was wrong, actually. That was 15 minutes before the rankings come out. And I think it's funny. Reese Davis makes a point of this every episode. Oh, we don't know the rankings. We're just like you. We yeah, yeah, he loves he loves disclaiming that. He loves it. Just he we're watching it. you. We're watching along with you guys. Yeah, he's like, only Jose Bullshit. behind us knows. Like, he gets it before. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, okay. Let's be real here. You all know, and in college basketball, I feel like we always talk about this. It's such a more democratic process. We know that. You can't do that in football. We're, we're, we're making strides, too. Guess what college basketball also has in tournament coverage? Four TV networks that cover it. College football is left to the ESPN college football playoff. Do you think ESPN is going to get more views, more publicity, more money with Alabama, Michigan or Florida State, Michigan? It's an easy answer. It's Alabama, Michigan. They're both tried and true programs, tradition, iconic helmets, iconic jerseys. It's 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 everything you're looking for. And that's great as a consumer. But I don't feel like with it's the two things there. It, it feels unethical because I feel like we're being lied to. And two, you can't have it both ways. That's really how I just want to address that statement. Yeah, I mean, the product of college football won with this Bama, Michigan. Like, you just see the spread opens at it's essentially a pick em, which means Vegas thinks it's going to be a close game. And then the other game being Washington, Texas, the spread being four and a half. So both spreads within five points is – pretty unheard of for a college football playoff because none of these games are ever close. So that from that perspective, we on us on new year's day are going to be like, all right, sweet. We have two sick games to watch. But from, I mean, the fact that 
the uh, Florida State's getting left out just discredits a whole conference for their their whole season. Essentially, the ACC was a, was a joke, like in according to the committee this year, which I don't necessarily agree with. I I get that maybe it's not as strong as some of these other ones, but it's still you have the Clemson, you have top talent in the conference as well. So, but and it, it all comes back to them deciding on a 14 playoff in general when there's five power conferences. I don't know whose exactly. decision whose decision was that where in this exact scenario it was going to be an issue. You know what I mean? And this is the first year where it, it's actually played out like that where there's five deserving conference champs that uh for four spots. So like why why was there never a clause written where it's like all right and God forbid uh in this scenario, we, we, they could like develop like a play in gamers. You know what I mean? Like there's things could have been done to avoid this 10 years ago and they fucking, they didn't do anything about it. And now, yep. now the fact that they're, um, this whole process is getting bailed out because it's not going to matter because they're going to 12 teams next year, but, and everybody's going to forget about this and it's, it's a shame, but it's, this could have been avoided when, <laughs> They, they wrote in the bylaws of this whole arrangement. but Marty, it's so funny you say that because J.J. Watt literally tweeted out, like, emergency, like, on the fly, 16 playoff. Like, let's just do it. Like, Michigan and Washington get buys, and Florida State and Georgia yeah. get in. Like, is that such a crazy idea? Because I'm kind of for it. But at the same time, like, going back to, like, a little bit of what I was saying about the best teams making it, I saw a graphic of like, get ready for next year. This is what the 12 team will look like. Yeah. Every, every fucking day. Guess what? I guess what my final four prediction was out of that. Probably Michigan, probably Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio state. That That's what I saw out of there looking at that. And it's funny because the seven and eight seed were like Georgia and Ohio state. So it's just ridiculous to me, honestly. And you know, we, we can we can complain all we want. It's never going to change. And the good news is with 12, I even think that's a little much because I think this is a little bit of a different year where we're seeing contenders really one through, you know, I mean, maybe maybe 10, 9 and 10, but one through eight are as solid as I think we have maybe ever seen in college football. I mean, Ohio yeah. State is sitting there, I think, at eight. You give the you give the Buckeyes all their transfer portal people back who are hopping in there. You give them all that all them back. I guarantee you they're they're still a top team and they're winning a playoff game in that twelve team format. So it's it, I get it, but it's weird, you know. And Marty, yeah. I think you're spot on with this clause thing. Like that that should have been in there. I just I don't like more than you know one thing that I do find being prevalent is I talk about it a lot. That last ingredient to get in is the conference championship. Like that is something they have hit home since the beginning. And they've kind of Marty, to your point, been bailed out a little bit with only there being four out of the power five, mm-hmm. co- five conferences being at that caliber championship caliber level playoff caliber level. But it's, it's just, it's really weird. And so you look at it, they're all conference champions. I don't have yeah. a problem with that, but it's weird 
you get, I mean, Georgia to that criteria should be sitting at six, but I don't want to hear it's about the best four teams getting in. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's exactly not. like you'd lose to the, the team that's deemed the fourth best who is only is as low as the fourth best only because they lost to the third best. Right. So very small margins drops five spots. Okay. But a team that won and won also drops like the transitively, it makes no sense, but a couple things, Mark, like you said about the ACC, this is a dangerous, and this is where I, I agree. You know, this was the year that they could do this because there is no, the precedent isn't set for next year's in the way it's made because those decisions, yeah, they might still be difficult between two lost teams, but it won't be, you know, undefeated conference champion. Although I, I think, you know, I would keep Florida state. And even if they were going to lose to Michigan, if it was a larger spread, but here's the precedent that it does set, not for the playoff, but for the entire conference and existence of the ACC. Why, why, if you're a top, recruit and like you said marty a ton of top talent is playing in the acc and does every year i mean we have maybe the top edge rusher and a top three wide receiver at florida state that's still on the field and that is the acc clemson number three talent ranked this year okay both acc whatever if you are a top recruit coming out this year why would you go to the acc now if you know that it is possible to do everything right to play as one of the best players in the country and be on one of the best teams in the country, and you could still be shafted, why even go? Why even go? And I, that's a scary precedent, but it also fits with the conference expansion and basically kind of making it SEC and Big Ten, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that is kind of a move. Uh a move in that direction. But I, I think it's, you know, kids have to be thinking that like, why would I want to go there if I can get jobbed and not get a chance, even if we do no wrong. Here's another mm -hmm. thing in years past. Yes. Um, the sec is better than everyone this year. SEC is out of conference against the other power five conferences was Horrible. bad, was bad. And I saw someone say this, if you take all their game, all their out-of-conference wins, which isn't many, the best one was Kentucky over Louisville. And that Louisville team, everyone was saying was a joke, and that was part of the reason they were being able to rationalize Florida State being let out. Here's the other side of that. I, also, I saw someone also say, and I thought this was a very fair point, and I don't know that anyone could disagree, said if that exact game happened between LSU and Alabama, that, I'm referring to the ACC championship. They would say, look at these defenses, man. This is classic SEC football. It's mm -hmm. sloppy. It's hard hitting. And that game was like Louisville's defense. No joke. Florida State's defense. No joke. LSU's quarterback or FSU's quarterback. Yeah, he's a joke. But that it's how you frame it. And we're going back to the narrative. They frame that as honestly, they're just they're two poor teams right now. When? They could just as easily say that that was just a bat, like the defenses were the the marquee matchup there, and they really both came out to play. So with that in mind, with, with keeping it in mind that an, an entire conference was deemed irrelevant this year, 
completely irrelevant and didn't matter. None of the games mattered. Legitimately, you can now say that no game in the ACC this year mattered. Yep. Because they didn't. If the conference championship doesn't matter to a 12-0 and team, then none of the other games matter. Yeah. So I, I think that's dangerous. And that will have severe ramifications going forward in recruiting, in conference realignment. And I just think, you know, at the everyone loves to say, at the end of the day, it's about the players. Any problem that comes out, like fans are getting too aggressive. No, this is about the players, their kids. You know, it all boils down to people saying this is for the players. It's for these kids. Well, then what fucking message are you sending a bunch of kids that played their tail off and clearly clearly jordan travis was their mental emotional physical leader of that team and he's a great kid he's on the sideline and they're all saying we're winning for him we're going to get this done it's going to have to be without him and they go out and do it for a great coach and a great starting quarterback that had an unfortunate injury and the message you're sending to them is that they should have just given up because it doesn't matter and that is a dangerous precedent as well and you know, there are going to be kids that are forever changed on that team. Like their football careers are going to be forever changed because we know legends are made in these last three games of the season. You yeah. know, Car- Cardale, uh, 12 gauge became a household name in the college football world after being a third string quarterback because what he did in the last three games of his season. Now, and... I will say one thing about that. He did win 59 to zero. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm that's, not saying that, that's I'm, extreme. Like, no, I'm not I'm comparing. That, I'm saying him as a as a player, like he oh, yeah. came out of nowhere and the games meant that to him. But here's yeah, my absolutely. last thing that I wanted to mention. Stephen A. Smith is a revolting college football analyst because he tries to dabble in sports that he knows nothing about. And he, he's not even he a college to, football analyst. He needs fucking, to stick yeah. to he needs to stick to only NBA because he knows NBA, nothing about yeah. anything else. Yeah. He comes out, and this was not just him. This was a wide sent- sentiment, was that we don't want a re- a replay of TCU last year. TCU won their semifinal game. So by his logic, FSU would be playing in the national championship. <laughs> was, yeah. was, Georgia, was Georgia way better than everyone last year? Yes. Did they win by probably 20 or 30 points more than the other throttlings that have happened in the national championship? And we'd see Clemson get throttled. We've seen Alabama get throttled. We've seen Notre Dame get throttled. We've seen all the big programs get throttled in the national championship in our lifetime. Yes, they did. But did they beat a very good Michigan team in a classic? Yes, they also did that. And that's the thing is anything can happen. These kids are playing out of their minds and it's it's literally just framing its narrative. It's like they're going to win this one for Travis. Like you talk about a chip on your shoulder and teams winning with a chip on their shoulder. They had the ultimate chip on their shoulder. And you took that chip right off and shoved it in their mouth. And it was not a good tasting chip. <laughs> and it, it just it really upset me. And it, it, I think it's really it's going to change a lot of things in this sport for the worse. And that's why I think even if you're sacrificing a better game. It needed to be Florida State. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree, Chuck. It um, what's it called? To kind of make a couple of last points that 
changing for the sport, dude, that it does have the points you talked about where coaches are just going to say like, all right, I guess we should just give up now. Like, you know, like the whole football coach meet had like rada rada, like type of speeches that like we've all heard before, like even at the high school level, like what (laughs) kids, kids are seeing Florida state have their quarterback get hurt and these players fight their balls off and then still get screwed. It's and, Kids are going to be thinking if, if like, a guy goes down and it's like, oh, we're screwed. It doesn't matter anymore. You know what I mean? That could have effects at all levels besides the NFL because those guys get paid no matter what. But, like, yeah. if in, in amateur sport like this that everybody follows, everybody's watching that decision. You know what I mean? Every kid at every level who's played football is watching that decision. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I, I just think that that has more effect than like even just the 90 players in the Florida state locker room. Yeah. Um, I got one thing that I would love to just kind of wrap, uh, wrap up, I guess, you know, my take here on the playoff thing. Um, I had a friend of mine from, from high school, you know, wanted to pick an elite podcasting college football analyst mind. Um, and he asked me, he said, first initially, you know, what's your view on Florida state? kind of talked about initially like what I said in the intro. And then he said, you know, what would you recommend if if this happened to JJ McCarthy? I said that's a good question. Now, you guys can agree with me or you cannot, but my viewing is going if JJ McCarthy got hurt against Iowa, Michigan is already the number 2 team. I don't think you can move Michigan from 2 to 5 for winning and then having a QB injury. I think with Florida State, and I do think they tried to kind of prime this up a little bit. I can't remember if they were three before the injury and then they slid them to four, but with Florida State hanging out there at four, it's a lot easier for the committee to do that. They just they just move them out. That's my Michigan, last problem that I wanted to get to as well after you. Michigan would have to slide three spots, and I don't think you can do that. I don't think you could do that if Georgia won and Carson Beck got injured. I don't even think Phoenix is probably on the edge. I think with three, it's a, it's a little, it's open to interpretation. I think one, and if you're ranked one and two and your QB goes down in the, because again, the situation he presented to me was in the big 10 championship. So Michigan was two, he gets injured. I I would, I would advocate for Michigan to slide to four. I don't think, I, I think, at that point, you should say, wow, Michigan should be a playoff team. They're definitely the worst playoff team without their starting quarterback. I think everyone could get behind that. That is at least what I get. my thing is. I don't think you can slide them three spots. So here's the last the last problem that I wanted to mention that wraps into that, Beach. Jordan Travis didn't get hurt in the conference championship game, but – Everyone claiming that, the, oh, this clause says that, right? Okay, I see it. It's there. Well, why, if they could not get in with a conference championship undefeated, did they not move down earlier out of playoff contention? Because there was nothing they could do post-Travis injury to make themselves a more... um a better suitor for the college football playoff. It didn't seem like anyone on that team or anyone in the nation for that matter really had an idea that they would get left out because 
two full weeks of wins, mind you, by Florida State happened without Jordan Travis. Why are they still ranked in a position? And you did mention, I think they did drop from three to four, but still in the playoff. You know, rip the Band-Aid off and let them know before something like this could happen that, you know, guys, uh, we got to tell you now, because you don't have Jordan Travis, if Alabama wins this year out, like we have to do this, this rigmarole where it's this really tough decision. And if I hear fucking Greg McElroy or Kirk Herbstreet say one more time that they're feeling for those kids, I'm going to fucking shoot myself, dude. Because they don't. They literally don't. They're telling that the committee got it right. They got their SEC team that they all fucking ride their cocks. They don't care. That's clear. If everyone cared and ESPN does have involvement like we knew, they wouldn't leave them out. Because it's way easier to leave an Alabama team out that has a loss. Like, I get that they beat Georgia, but they lost a game. Yes, it was to another playoff team. But Florida State didn't lose. And it's tough. It's a very tough decision. But stop with this fucking bullshit that you guys care about the team that just got screwed. Because you don't. And all you did, all of you guys wanted Alabama in there. That's why you're tipping your caps. If you cared that much, you should have said that they were in because they went out there and won two really tough games, a rivalry game, and then a conference championship against a very good Louisville team. I don't care who their quarterback is. This is Louisville. I don't care if they don't look like the SEC champ. They're a good football team. They beat the they they did what no one else in the I don't think anyone else in the country besides maybe the playoff teams would have had Notre Dame that far on their back feet for an entire 60 minutes. They're a talented team. They're a well-coached team. They're a good football team. Like, like, stop telling me that you care and you your heart goes out to these kids because it doesn't matter when you're saying that they should get left out. If you think they should get left out, then you don't think they did enough and you don't care that much. So it's all this, it, it's literally the exact same as what we see in the media about like this, this fake empathy, this, these fake sentiments that don't mean anything. It's all, you know, it's all just, you know, kissing babies and, you know, and, uh, you know, photo ops and all this shit. And I just think it would have been a lot. I think it'd be a lot easier for those Florida state kids that were watching that for them to tell it how it is and not do this, you know, let's dance around this whole thing that clearly, like you mentioned, was in the cards and it was coming as hard as it was to believe. So I just, I, I think there does need to be more, you know, more democracy. We've talked about it literally probably every third episode on this show, and, you know, that's the saddest part is go back historically. It's no different than what's happened in so many, like so many of the national champions from an, any year. You can say, you know, like the big one now is the 93 Notre Dame, Florida State, because that's, you know, Notre Dame fans from a generation before don't have sympathy for Florida State because they played head to head with Notre Dame one versus two Notre Dame beat them. They both finished 11 and one. FSU got the national championship with Notre Dame having the head to head win. So like 
there like there's instances of that in almost every season. So it it's hard now because this one seems like maybe the worst injustice and it's with the four teams, but it's no different. The 12 team will solve some of this, but it's still going to be under the thumb of ESPN. And, you know, I, I really do think Kirk Herbstreet's the fucking, he's the Rothschild of college football. <laughs> and it, it's sad because my heart really does go out to Keon Coleman and Jordan Travis and Mike Norvell and Jared Verse and Johnny Wilson and all these kids, you know, like they did everything. You did everything you could, guys. I, I really don't like Florida State, but you guys got fucking hosed and I'm sorry. You know, I think the only way for us to get ESPN to stop stealing our material is to just be an anti-ESPN podcast because they can't steal that. So I think we're kind of on to something here. Um, I'd love to like take a dive kind of a little bit into the matchups. Uh, we, we did hint Marty talked about a little bit with Michigan and Alabama being a pick them um, relatively. I think Michigan's minus one right now. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Texas is a four point favorite against Washington, um, which I, I think deservedly so. Um, Dallas is not too far from New Orleans. Uh, Texas has been waiting for this, waiting to be back. I think they have the fan base for it. I think four is a good spread. Um, I could see them covering easily and winning by a touchdown. Could also see this being a walk-off field goal kind of game. Um, they're both, I think, gonna, I think it's going to be high scoring. I think it's going to be a lights-out offensive display from both, kind of what you saw from Ewers in the Big 12 championship. Uh, Phoenix was obviously unbelievable against Oregon, against a nine-and-a-half-point spread. Um, absolutely commendable by the Huskies. And I just don't think that their coach gets enough credit. I really do think that he's one of the best in the business. Uh, he's not one of those guys who has, you know, maybe maybe jump ship, so to say, to go to one of those programs that can throw him all the money that really wants to get back, like Texas A&M comes to mind. You know, maybe the Texas job has been open in years past. Whatever. He's been a high-caliber coach. Absolutely commendable what he's been able to do with Washington. Um, just very well done. Um, awesome job by the Washington Huskies winning the Pac-12 championship. Love that we got that on a Friday night, too. Just a little kickoff to the championship weekend. Boom. Loved it. Um, I'm obviously, you know, very biased. I think Michigan's going to win, so I'll just sit that one out, and uh, I'll leave it up to you guys to kind of break that one down. But uh, go Blue. Yeah, it was interesting. I was um, – I had the book open waiting for the lines to open up because I knew they were – it was going to be right away when the teams were announced. And on open, Alabama opened as two-and-a-half-point underdogs plus 120 on DraftKings. I'm like, all right. I'm in, I instantly took Alabama knowing that that was going to move. So I guarantee you Alabama is going to be hammered by the public a thousand percent. And there all are. The prof- yeah, all the professional money is going to go on Michigan. So if that keeps, if the, I think the book's just covering their end with all, there's going to be way more money on Alabama where if that keeps moving, maybe I can get a nice little cash out or something for some free money and take Michigan. I'm still deciding. I really don't know. It's, it's a really interesting matchup. I think the way Alabama's, I mean, their defense isn't great, but Michigan's slow and Michigan has a, has a good defense too. It might be a decent look at the under considering that I feel like 
Michigan's going to try and take away the deep ball on Milrow, make them run. Michigan's obviously going to want to run the ball. Possessions are going to be key. Turnovers obviously are always key. And I feel like neither team turns the ball over much either. So there's going to be less short fields, especially after a couple of first downs. I feel like, yeah, I'm talking myself into the under <laughs> on that game. No, I agree. I, I completely agree with how you think this game's going to go. I mean, you look at the coaching. That's something I think, I mean, two of the best, I'd say, game managers. Um, just, you know, Saban's obviously in a class of his own, but the growth of Harbaugh I've seen is his ability to play whoever is in front of him. And I think, you know, obviously Georgia two years ago didn't go as planned. TCU got a little bit out of hand. I know I've talked about this a lot. Michigan's Achilles heel is playing from behind. If they go out and they receive the ball first and they have an eight-minute drive to start the game, there's no chance Alabama wins because Michigan will have so much confidence that they can do that. If they control the tempo and control the game, that's how they're going to get it done. But, Marty, I like I like your game call there. I like the under, and I think you're kind of on it. Hopefully you get a good cash out. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I haven't uh, – I don't – yeah, the <laughs> – well, you might you might not be on my side if I'm if I'm on the Bama money line, but um, I'll cheer yeah, for you to lose. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's it called? That other game though is, I honestly have no idea what to think of it. Like Jonathan Brooks is hurt out for the year for Texas. He's, I know in different places, he's one of the top running backs going into the NFL draft next year. I it might change now that is with his injury, but. He was an animal in the heart of Texas's offense, and he's out. So, yours though, now that he's back, he's they have a, he's a full month to nurse. His, it was a shoulder, right, that he had injured and was out for a while with. Whatever it was, he's got mm-hmm. a whole month now to get even healthier. He looked fantastic against Oklahoma State, who's, I mean, has a win over the team that beat them, <laughs> Oklahoma. So, he, I mean, he looked fantastic. I'd, Texas's offense can be high powered. They have, I mean, Xavier Worthy's a beast. Um, Ad Mitchell, beast. Like they, they just have a great offensive um, personnel. And Washington, obviously, that's the heart of their defense is Phoenix and the wideouts. They're not. They're way less well rounded though because they can't run the ball as much. So that that game could almost be the opposite. And just look over. You think a lot of explosive plays. Washington's worse defensively than Texas. Texas, the heart of their D is stopping the run, but Washington doesn't really run the ball. So I, I think that's somewhat irrelevant unless they can get a pass rush going. And Phoenix, obviously, um, is a Heisman finalist, so he's the X factor in this game, too, for an underdog. It's nice being an underdog, having a Heisman finalist on your side. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a re- really, really interesting matchup to break down. But, yeah, I don't I don't know if I could pick a side personally yet. Yeah, there's so much time and, you know, those those sides come with, you know, I hate to say because it sounds so funny to be a better and like see how how the the news is coming out and stuff from for the next couple weeks for these teams. But it really does end up coming out like that. But a couple things. Uh, I'll start with Texas, Washington. A.D. Mitchell has a chance to three peat, which yeah. is insane. Uh, to think about and 100 I don't need to check that's never been done um, three natties with two different teams in your tenure in college uh, he's everything that you want in a wide receiver. He's, 
He's yeah. he's absolutely fantastic. And to think that he's a compliment to uh, to Worthy on the other side is insane. That offense has the ability. And I mean, they it seems like to me and the way the playoffs shook out that they needed those points last Saturday. You know, every touchdown mattered for Texas in that game and they needed to make a statement. You know, there it might it might have been possible if they scraped by in like a 20 to 17 game that maybe we're talking about Florida State not being screwed. But it, they didn't and they dropped over 100 points in the last two weeks. Washington, all you know, all they've done is win this year. And Michael Penix has the, he just, it's so hard to explain when there's a quarterback that none of the, you know, the big athletic or, you know, combine facets of their game really jump out, but they just have that, that thing about them, you know? And I think Max Duggan was one of those guys last year and he doesn't really use his legs ever, but he's very good in the pocket and very good stepping up. And that's the great, great equalizer for against guys like Milrow. You know, like Tom Brady played 20 years in the NFL, won seven Super Bowls because when he was in the pocket, he was Lamar Jackson. Basically, you just, you know, he slipped right past guys. He didn't need to do things on the outside. But I think maybe the biggest factor and the biggest edge in this as of now. The seeding was crucial for Texas here. They will have almost two home games here if they win the first. And Washington have, having to travel about 15 times further for this semifinal game than Texas as the higher-ranked team. You know, I know you can't pick the locations on the fly and wait for seeding to make maybe a more, you know, uh, equitable location obviously being closer to Washington because they're the highest seed, but Texas is going to, they're going to be able to almost play a home game here. And that's going to be a big deal. You know, a lot of these games, they end up being close to home for sec teams because so many of them are played in Texas and Georgia. So I think that's Texas is very thankful for the way they seeded and where these games are being played on the flip side, the other matchup, I think it was either four or maybe it must have been four years ago now, 2019, I believe it was the Outback Bowl, uh, Alabama, Michigan. Mm-hmm. It was Alabama's down citrus, year. Cit- or the, citrus Bowl. Was it the Citrus Bowl? Yeah. Um, Alabama opened up at seven and a half point favorites. And at the time, it was the largest money wager I had ever made. I actually had... My dad, the first wager I ever had with my dad when I told him what the line of line was on the game. And he said, I said, Dad, I know you're always bitching about how small our house is. We could get a bigger house tomorrow. Alabama is only seven and a half point favorites against Michigan. We hammered, obviously not in that capacity. Alabama covered, but that is how different things have been for this Michigan team since that really that game things have took taken a drastic change Michigan is looking more and more like Alabama as a program 
every time they step onto the field. And it's it's something when you watch a lot of football, you realize how well coached a team is, even if maybe they're down. Michigan is so clearly such a well-coached team that where their um, where their deficiencies may be, you hardly know, notice them because they're all in lockstep. Their defense doesn't miss an assignment. Their offense, they rarely have pre-snap penalties. They're rarely putting themselves behind the sticks. And that those are things that change a game. I think Michigan is the more disciplined team. And I think Alabama, you know, they've struggled with discipline the last couple of years. And that's been big in some of their losses with pre-snap penalties, with late hits, with holdings, just a lot of sloppiness. I think the edge, I'm not sure if this is the side I'm going to be on because we'll have to see where that line closes. But the edge to me right now, I think Michigan's the better team. It is really, to me, what we see what J.J. McCarthy we see. Do we see the guy that's getting touted as a possible Heisman finalist, or do we see the guy that we, you know, we'd rather keep the ball on the ground and not use him as our main player if we can? So I think if, if they're able to find a balance and he's making his throws and he's making those plays that he does make that are special and he's, he shines, I think Alabama wins this game because I think Alabama, I, or I think Michigan wins this game because I think Alabama is more prone to mistakes. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, Michigan has been extremely disciplined football team. Uh, they, they really, these last, these three seasons where they've been very successful more than usual, they have been outrageous in the trenches back-to-back offensive line of the year winning. I can't tell you the last time that happened. They've fallen off a little bit this year. Um, lost our guy Zach Zinter in a in a heartbreaking leg incident at the Big House against Ohio State. Um, you know that that's a loss. I do think Michigan is ready to kind of take that step, you know, and, and be that that program up there. Um, really, the only thing is, you know, I love I love my stats, and this is why I took Alabama over Georgia. This is now the fifth time since 2010 that Nick Saban has been an underdog. The previous four, including last week against Georgia, were all against Georgia. He is now three and one in those games as an underdog. That is saying if you can ever get Nick Saban and Alabama at plus money, you take them. So that is that is very frightening to me. One loss, and that was I. That was I think in the championship after they beat Georgia in the SEC championship. So again, it's tough. But the stats say whenever you see Saban plus money, you take him. Um, I I think Harbaugh is you know coached. I really think the coaching is going to take is taken a leap since that Georgia game. I think that's kind of a reality check two years ago where it's like. You're this close, but Ohio State is a little different because it's a rivalry game and it means more. And you're always, you always, it's just different. It is. Everyone knows that. That's the only team at that capacity they've really ever played like that. 
they got they got waxed two years ago by Georgia. And that's an eye opener saying, hey, we got to dominate these trenches. And again, what did Michigan do that game? They fell behind the chains. They didn't go for it on fourth and three on opponent territory. They tried to pin Georgia back. It doesn't matter if you do that to Milrow and he gets one deep ball on you and they go up 14 zero, you know, they score in their first possession. Michigan is not built for that. However, they are built. Let's tout the defense out, defer to the second half, get a stop, take eight minutes off the clock. Boom. Break the team down. I've heard this comparison. Joel Klatt, probably my favorite, favorite college football analyst. They says they are a boa constrictor. They will do whatever they need to do, and they will just they'll, they'll get a read on the game, and they'll say, we're just going to squeeze you. And I think the perfect example of that was against Penn State, where, Charlie, to your point, they talk about – you talk about J.J. McCarthy not having to throw. It is insane to play a top-four defense in a top-ten team on the road and not have to run the ball the entire second half and second half of the second quarter. That is ridiculous. So if you know you can do that – and, again, Penn State is in Alabama. Alabama is a much better team. I think their defenses could be similar. And it's a neutral site game. So we'll see what happens. But again, I'm completely biased. Um, obviously, all the respect in the world for Alabama and Nick Saban. I mean, all my life growing up as a college football fan, every time I'd sit down on that Monday night on my couch to watch the college football championship game, who's in it? Normally Alabama. Normally Nick Saban. Who's normally winning it? Normally Nick Saban. So that scares me. I would be more scared if Michigan hadn't been in this situation before. Um, I do think all the stuff with Jim this year, I think they, they're just, I think he's just ready to shove it down the NCAA's throat. I mean, you see him still on it still on ESPN advocating for player revenue. Like he's just rubbing it in their faces. Like this is pretty much like everyone knows this is why I was suspended. So here, so here, here's it. Here it is again. Here it is again. So it'll be interesting you know, in the news that comes out leading up to it, the line changes, as you said, Marty, but I think you honestly, as, as someone who doesn't have a stake in the game, you probably made the right call getting on Bama plus money that early. I think a lot of the public will be all over Bama. I'm hoping Michigan flips to a dog right before kickoff and I can take them, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, we you know pretty much every uh everything you can so far on these, on these games. Yeah. But it's going to be good. It's going to be good. I'm excited about the playoff. I have to say that like, yeah. with all the shit about great. Florida state, with all the controversy and everything, this is probably the best playoff going into it that I think yeah. I've seen. And I think, you most know, people would agree with that. That's, that's the flip side to my, just probably the most expletives I've ever used on this show um, for those wondering, I do mark these as having adult content. So our younger listeners can be advised that there are, cur there is cursing on the show, but uh, the flip side of that is I don't care that much about Florida state to where I'm, you know, not going to enjoy this playoff because I certainly am <laughs> like genuinely, I'm, I'm ex very excited for both these games and the subsequent final. It, it's wild how we got here. And it might be even more wild how it shaped out at the very end. You know, like the 99% the leading up to 
Sunday morning at noon was insane. And it might, the only thing that could have been, you know, made this season crazier was, you know, leaving out an undefeated conference champion. But we got Saban, we got Harbaugh, we got Phoenix, and we got Ewers. And I, I do think to an extent, you know, it's more of a, it's more of an, an ethical, these are ethical problems I have with the direction of college football. And that's where my resentment towards ESPN comes from my resentment of the decision, but we're fans on this show. You know, I, my Twitter location shows fansville, you know, like I wanted this to be a fansville podcast and these are going to be two great games. I, I think Alabama has a better chance than FSU to beat this Michigan team. I, I'm very excited. You know, I, I did also, I don't, I don't know if we're going to wrap here, but I did, I did want to say, I think next week and then the coming weeks, um, we'll, we could still throw in some episodes. We could do some different things, you know, not just the breakdowns. Cause obviously we won't have the big games to break down here for about a, a you know, three weeks, four weeks. Um, so anything you guys wanted to end on, I did want to give a shout out to Xavier Watts for winning the Nagurski award. Doesn't make yeah, much sense crazy. to me that the best defensive player in the country is not a finalist at his position for the Thorpe award. It's kind of like how the Davey O'Brien award is basically like the best white quarterback now, because like a black quarterback will win the Heisman, but they'll give the Davey O'Brien to the, like, the <laughs> best white quarterback. Like last year it was Duggan. <laughs> like it, it's just funny because they, I think they kind of try to share the wealth with some of the yeah. awards because there's so many and so they much. Win the Heisman, but here's this. Like, here's yeah. Caleb Williams could have won like eight of them last year. So they, they had to, you know, spread it out a little. I think one of the other player of the years, couple years ago went to you know like kenneth walker um yeah, like the Maxwell. things like that but um yeah i think we'll definitely have um we can definitely have an episode soon about the portal because i got a lot of guys are going to be committing soon and yeah. we'll see a ton of changes it's already breaking um Records, college football man. twitter with like it seems like Half of all team bowl eligible teams have lost a quarterback in the portal already. Yeah. There's and... like thirteen hundred people who popped in within ten minutes of it opening. Yeah. I mean I, I'm seeing it's over yeah. four thousand, I think. <laughs> but yeah. I do think it's, we it's should insane. uh I do think we should do an effort. I know we usually do this. We get out, we run through all the bowl games. We kind of tell, um, you know, who we like straight up. And if you're doing that bowl pick them, if you, if you're taking spreads, we can do that as well. Um, I think we should shoot to get a bowl pick them episode out and then hopefully a portal combat one. So uh, yeah. talk and, about the portal, maybe more of those players. The listeners as well. For yeah, sure. We hop in. I was going to say, we do have a, uh, a football game this weekend too. A little army Navy action. Yeah, Both teams go going, Navy going, going to war. Uh, at <laughs> under, under, yeah, it's under 20, 27 and a half. So, I think everybody's favorite tradition in this game is just to sweat out either side of the total. So, yeah, pick, pick, pick your side. And, uh, you know what I'm interested enjoy, in for this enjoy game, some, which Trump, Trump versus Biden, because I think Trump will be there. And obviously, you know, the sitting president's going to be there. And everyone loves to talk about, you know, what kind of sentiment they get from the crowds. So we might have a little 
We might have a little mano mano. <laughs> we'll see who's got an early lead on the popular vote. Uh, getting yeah, ready for yeah. next November. We'll see. It's basically like the first. It's like the first kind of, uh, you know, or it's like a midterm. This is the, the most Army factual polling you can get. Actually, is is yeah, just how loud if you're. Is, yeah, the crowd noise. Candidates. Crowd noise for yeah. the candidate at the army. They get the game. levels. Oh, Biden's only here in the crowd. Comes <laughs> up here. That's like, how. That's how they should decide. The... <laughs> Make some noise. <laughs> <laughs> that's how they should decide the presidency. Yeah. It's like, oh, Just shoot, get oh. like. Yeah, walk Vivek Ramaswamy out there. He's yeah. Like, oh. He's independent. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that like just two parties. Yeah. Yeah, the the jumbotron just has the meters, and as soon yeah. as it hits whoever hits the highest <laughs> level, they just immediately inaugurate them. Everyone just ah, ah. <laughs> Well, yeah, we'll have a we'll have a bunch of stuff coming here uh, ahead of bowl season and uh, ahead of the college football playoff. So, yes, sir. Your samples. Kirk Cousins had a good year. Quavo gets cooking. Get